It was not just a fun little trash talk. They were getting into it. Wow, that is, uh, yeah, normally you see these guys get into it, and it's uh, very usually Canadian, but, oh, no, don't boot it, you're not so good. Yeah, sorry, eh? Uh, that's fun, because you're not good either. They once drove to Vancouver from Edmonton to go to the Grey Cup in a Toyota Matrix with summer tires. While listening to the entire Tragically Hip discography, they love their Canadian football. John Fraser, a Winnipeg Blue Bombers fan and sports reporter from Saskatoon. Does this mean I have to start researching? And Travis Curra, a Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan and radio announcer from Red Deer. Does anybody want to do fantasy Dancing with the Stars next uh, season? Bring you the Two and Out CFL podcast. Every week, Fraser and Curra will deliver news and fantasy analysis from the Canadian Football League. And nonsense. Can't forget the nonsense. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the Two and Out Podcast. Ready, set, hunt. Welcome to the Two and Out CFL Podcast. I guess we're episode seven now. It's Fraser and Kura. I am back from holidays. How did the show go last week? I assume that nothing got accomplished? Uh, Very little. Uh, Some beers were consumed during the taping, so we had that going <laughs> for us, which was nice. But I got to give full props to Croker. We recorded it on a Monday, a Monday night. We both went into the radio station that we work at, and he's like, no, it's not going to be Brandon Bridge. It's going to be Rakim Cato. I'm like, you really think so? He's like, yeah. And then he broke it down for us why it was going to be Cato. And Croker, he called it. Cato started. He was bang on with a lot of his predictions. So uh, he's too smart to be on the pod. So let's kick him off. Is he? Go- yeah. Is he going to replace us? We better just never have him on again. Uh, or maybe we just have him on in like a token, like predictor appearance. You know, he can be like the old psychic hotlines you call back in the day, <laughs> the one nine hundred numbers. We can call him Psychic Croker, Croker yeah, the maybe Magnificent. He could be our source. Oh, I like it. Make us look good. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll text him right now with what he thinks about uh, all the goings on and which quarterbacks are going down this weekend. Yeah, Rakeem Cato, that is huge because on Monday, everybody thought it was going to be Brandon Bridge. And I guess he is a he's a record holder in the CJFL. He is. He has the most pick sixes ever. Uh, really? not, not caught and run back. He has thrown the most pick sixes ever in CJFL history. Do you own any records in anything? Uh, I think I ate a, I think I won a chicken wing eating competition in my hometown once. That's what I'm saying. I own a pierogi eating championship <laughs> in Glendon, Alberta. <laughs> well, now, back in Atticoke in Ontario, I think I crushed <laughs> enough chicken wings to be declared champion. They, there wasn't even a contest. They just said, you know what? We can't hold eating contests here because John lives here. So uh, <laughs> you're the chicken wing and pie champion. <laughs> oh, I've also won a pumpkin pie eating competition once, but Glendon, Alberta. <laughs> That I don't know if you've ever been there, but they actually have a giant. Alberta's all about the giant monuments to things. Yep, and they have a giant pierogi. It's about eighteen feet tall. There's a fork sticking right through it, <laughs> and they have a pierogi festival. Uh-huh. And I went down there and I dominated that place. Twelve pierogies in eighteen seconds. That's my claim to fame. I think I accidentally drove through there once when I was working as a car salesman, <laughs> and we were. 
picking up a trade-in. We were delivering a brand-new, beautiful Honda Civic to a customer that had bought one. So we drove up there to Glendon, dropped it off with him, and then his trade-in was a 1993 Mazda hatchback with manual steering, no air conditioning, and a standard transmission. Wow! Uh, and we drove back from Glendon very late at night after a stop at a casino and uh, somehow made it back in one piece. I, uh, Me and my buddy Corey uh, from Calgary uh, did that, and uh, we lived to tell the tale. Nice. <laughs> we got lost twice story. because up in that neck of the woods, it can be a little confusing. I know you lived up there for a while, yep. but uh, yeah, I, I believe we uh, went the wrong direction at least twice and ended up finding a casino and say, well, let's just go in here and we lost all our money and uh, probably spent <laughs> all my commission I made on that uh, delivery of the car. So all in all, <laughs> it wasn't uh, it wasn't a great night. All right. Let's get to football relevant news. <laughs> In the Huddle with Fraser and Kura on the Two and Out Podcast. All right, so just coming out Tuesday, I mean, we knew he was hurt, Andre Dury of the Toronto Argonauts. Looks like he, he might actually miss the entire year. It, can I give him like an air hug here? I'm going to let's give him a mic hug. Grab the mic, hug it. Hug it. Yeah, there we go. I'm, I'm hugging it right now. I feel so bad for this guy. He's had injury problems. He's just a great talent when he's healthy and on the field, and it looks like it's going to be another lost season for Andre Dury. Uh, but from a fantasy perspective, uh, thankfully they drafted Andre Dury 2.0 in Anthony Coombs, so let's hope Coombs can stay healthy. He looked good in the win over Saskatchewan, so he might be a guy to go target if you had uh, Dury on your, uh, on your roster and you need a replacement. At what point... Does Dury just kind of hang it up because it's it's been a lot of injuries now? Well, he, him and Chad Cackert, to me, are both two guys in the exact same boat. Canadian players, phenomenally talented with injury issues that play in Toronto that uh, I don't know if they know when to give it up. I wouldn't be surprised to see him step away from the game for a little bit, a la Cackert. But uh, on the same note, uh, he... He's so good that you you want to see him there, and I hope that uh, he can rebound from this latest knee injury and uh, find the field at some point next season. Yeah, it's uh, you do feel bad for guys like this. And at the beginning of the year, there was so much optimism, as yep. there is every year in every single CFL city, because everyone's like, eh, no more injuries, clean slate, and two weeks in, <laughs> the whole <laughs> league's hurt. Uh, I believe so. I believe uh, Croker is on somebody's negotiation list right now, uh, <laughs> even despite his terrible stats as a junior football quarterback, because quarterbacks are going down at uh, such an alarming rate. Uh, it's been a funny couple of weeks to start the uh, the CFL season, that is for sure. Oh, the standings have been flipped upside down. And speaking of quarterbacks, uh, Drew Willie, it looks like he is expected to play this Friday now you have to think that they were like, Drew, oh, we need I, you. <laughs> they, that is one part of it. Drew, they need him. But what is he doing? Like The last thing you want to do, one of my biggest health problems from my concussions was I rushed back and got back on, on the ice because I was playing hockey at the time, got back on the ice, I was playing goal, and I dealt with post-concussion syndrome for such a long time after that because I rushed myself back. I'm really hoping the CFL doesn't have independent concussion testing like the NFL. I'm really hoping somebody was smart enough to at least give him an honest evaluation and say, Drew, you are good. But the, that hit, the way he didn't move, he must have been out cold. I, uh, you got to worry about the guy's long-term healthier. If he is 100% healthy, that's a great coup for Winnipeg. They now have a chance against Montreal, but... 
I don't I don't know as a guy who's been through that how he can be perfectly healthy heading into that game. That's one of those teams that just has no consistency because the first week they beat the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and looked pretty good doing it. Yep. And Hamilton came out like they were Brock Lesnar against I I don't know who who would you put him up against the Spike Brooklyn Dudley Brawler like <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> and as soon as they lost Willie it was like the entire team lost all their confidence well a large part of that was you watched the defensive scheme change from Orlando Steinhauer in that game the minute that Willie went out the minute you no longer had that veteran poise they went very blitz heavy very oh, aggressive yeah. they basically said to Brian Brom listen you're inexperienced go ahead bring it on and he couldn't do anything with the pass rush that was in his face at least Willie's been in the league for a couple years and can recognize where the blitz is coming from and he had some success against it uh, early on in that football game but the minute Brom came in uh, he was eaten alive yeah Montreal they their defense is pure violence like (laughs) yes they probably they I I think they have they're very underrated defense like they have some vicious hitters there. Now, it does look like Bear Woods is questionable coming into the game against Winnipeg on Friday, so that mm-hmm. might help a little bit. But I say Drew Willie or whoever, judging by how they looked against the Blitz last week, Montreal is going to be bringing the heat. Well, Montreal will be bringing the heat, and here's hoping that Willie or Brom can make a quick decision <laughs> and maybe call some screen passes there. So you can take the pressure off your guys a little bit. Don't try to keep going downfield. I don't. It just. It seemed to me like Brian Brom was making all the wrong decisions when put into that spot. He he was thrown into double coverage. He was overthrowing guys. It just. All in all, I watched the whole game. Uh, it wasn't good. But uh, other news to, to cheer us up. Uh, both here, uh, Kura. Look, uh, you know, I've got this big counter to my right uh, for Red Blacks wins. Now. Oh my to- God. We're now up to two. There are only ten more to go. Ten more to go, and Tyrell in our fantasy league is going to go get himself all nicely cleaned up down under. I am going to be in Commonwealth Stadium Thursday. And Mm. apologies to the Eskimo Empire podcast, but bleed red blacks guys i'm going to be there (laughs) cheering my heart out for ottawa listen my bold predictions so far through two weeks are looking pretty good i say ottawa could win 12 and i said saskatchewan if they don't get healthy it could be a really really long season i'm starting to feel like i know what i'm talking about once in a while (laughs) i'm actually choked about my prediction i'm like hey look at that brandon bridge is gonna be starting week two nope no kato comes in and And, and kato has a great game that's going to be one interesting thing for me watching this weekend can he duplicate that against winnipeg and one of my three fantasy leagues uh, i do have cato as my quarterback Uh, we're an individual quarterback league uh so i'm pretty happy with that start i went on croaker's whim and it paid off for me he did do it against the defending Grey cup champions i think he's not gonna have any problem doing it against winnipeg yeah, yeah, we get it. The Bombers are no good, and they haven't been for a while. <laughs> Couple fines dished out this year. Uh, Saskatchewan Rough Rider Chris Best, who's known for playing on the edge. I like uh, the way you put that. Yeah. <laughs> that's. Uh, I-, I wouldn't tell that to his face, so uh, <laughs> he might squish me like a grape. <laughs> <laughs> He's one of the few people in the world that could squish that could squish you like a grape. 
Yeah, so he's been fined for a low block on uh, Toronto Argonaut Cleon Lang. Now, Eskimo fans, some of them were saying that was karma for the hit on Mike Riley. Mm-hmm. But it looks like Lang was okay. I mean, those are always dangerous and, and yep. never good for the clipping. But it looked like he was okay after that. Which is good. You never want to see a, a guy do, go down, especially on a dirty play. It's almost yeah. this way. Wait a minute, that did happen last week to Winnipeg! Oh, yeah, and Adrian Tracy has been fined for lowering his head and leading with the crown of his helmet, making it the main point of contact as he hit an opponent. So Now, I, fines. Just, despite all my bomber bias, in fairness, I will say Willie, the Tracy was leading with his helmet, which is worth a fine yeah. as it is, but he was obviously aiming for the midsection. It's just Willie got twisted up and taken to the ground. I don't think the head was the principal point of contact. I know some people on Twitter were all blowing up about how he should basically be banned from the league for life, but when a guy gets twisted up, you should never lead with your head. They're trying to get that out of the game, but he was aiming at Willie's chest. You can see that clear as day. And he ended up making accidental contact with the head, so deserving of the fine. I'm still angry because I'm a Bomber fan, but Willie is uh, allegedly okay. Yeah, for me, the you know, the more you watch a hit, the more your mind convinces you that it's dirty. So yeah. I had to stop watching it. At first glance, it, you know, there's no way he did that on purpose. Uh, Willie oh, absolutely. Was up, he was wrapped up, and he was brought down, and... It, he shouldn't have been leaning with his head, but the speed that it all happened at was just, yeah, there's there's no well, way he meant to do that. There is no way unless you're Superman to change directions yeah. when you're in midair. Like, he's not the man of steel here. He's Tracy. Like, <laughs> go on. It's, it's physics. He deserves the fine. But for those that were saying he should have got a lengthy suspension, he was never aiming for the head. Just go go watch the tape. Yeah, absolutely. A couple big performances from uh, week two. I think it starts and ends with Ryan Smith and Rakeem Cato. Woo! Ryan Smith, the wee man going wow. off, as my Irish buddy would say. Uh, yeah, Ryan Smith, everybody's like, oh, he's Weston Dressler 2.0. It was fake gainer on Twitter that said... Let's just call him Ryan Smith because he's becoming a player in his own right. Eight catches, 174 yards, an amazing circus catch, and the one touchdown. Obviously, him and Kevin Glenn, since both weeks they've proven that they've got a little bit of chemistry. I would be uh, I would be getting in on Ryan Smith if, if you haven't already. Waiver claims are open right now, and uh, go and check your free agency list. Or, alternatively, if you don't think he's going to keep it up, I would respectfully disagree with you but now is the time to sell on ryan smith if you want to get rid of him his value could not be any higher i think a sell high would be uh great there now i've thought about this now mm-hmm. i know there are people in the podcast fantasy league that are going to listen to me and think i'm crazy what would you do if you had say brandon banks and you see ryan smith Would you throw Brandon Banks in there and hopefully get Ryan Smith in return? Yes. And I think that'd be a fair trade. A lot of guys would be like, yeah, give me Banks. Well, 
the only thing being, Banks was featured a lot more in Hamilton's offense, and a big part of that, I think, is necessity. They don't have a healthy running back. Eventually, Grigsby and Gable are going to get back, so you're not going to see him out of the backfield. Now, the way But fantasy... it does look like Terrell Sinkfield is getting uh, the reps at slot back in Hamilton, and he's doing okay, so Banks isn't really getting all that many offensive touches. He's Devin Hester right now. He has yes. the potential to break open something big. But again, if fantasy scoring allowed for return yards, which they were kind of talking about, he would be a guy I would hold on to for dear life. But essentially, you're counting on for scoring purposes, for high scoring purposes, you need Brandon Banks to run one back. Now, he could. He could do it 18 times. He's on pace He's done to do it, it so right far. now. <laughs> but at some point, at some point, there's going to be a game where he doesn't run one back. And even with his big game, I was looking it up. Banks in our league only had, I believe it was about, I, I shouldn't say only had 16 points. But even with the punt return touchdown, I mean, he was behind guys like, I have Nick Moore on one of my rosters. Moore outperformed Banks, and that's even with Banks uh, running one back. So he's a guy, I, in deeper leagues, of course, you hold on to him. But if you could trade him for a guy that's getting touches and getting receptions right now and is a primary target, I would absolutely do it because he has high value. I would be dealing Brandon Banks right now. I don't know if Ryan Smith would be my guy. I think I'd want to see another week or two out of Smith, but maybe a guy, Nick Moore, a guy I just brought up, would be a guy I would be addressing. Rodgers in Calgary has had a good start to the year. Those would be the kind of guys I'd I'd be looking for, getting a sure thing uh, for Brandon Banks, because at some point, he's not going to run... I don't think he's going to run one back every game. Yeah, I don't think you can count on that. In fantasy, I want consistency. Yep. And I want a guy some... who's on the field. Yeah, absolutely. And for me... Sure, you're going to get the guys that are going to get 40 points for you in a game, but those are yep. the same guys that sometimes are going to get two. And I would rather the guy that's going to get 25 every single game because I know what I'm going to get. And we're going to get to our fantasy team in the podcast league because there's been some guys we were low on that are doing great, mm -hmm. some guys that we were high on that are not doing well but some guys we'll, we were high on that are doing good too <laughs> we'll be the we will be the first to admit when we screw something up because we will do it a lot this year oh yeah heck let's uh let's do that right now time for the fantasy expose on the two and out podcast i feel like there might have to be a dramatic reshuffling of how we rank the quarterbacks <laughs> i know right the Calgary Stampeders quarterbacks, 13 points in week one, 12 points in week two. What are you doing there? Uh, I'm, whole, I'm, I'm waiting on it. I'm not making a move yet. I think one of Drew Tate or Bo Levi Mitchell have both proven that they're way too good to be in an extended slump. I think what we're starting to see, Travis, we could see, remember 2011 when teams finished like a whole whack of them finished like I think Winnipeg won the division at 10 and 8. Yeah, and you had so a bunch close. of teams at 9 and 9. I think this might be a year like that. I think we all undervalued Montreal's defense and Calgary may have as well. I mean, they played to me Hamilton right now is looking like the best team in the league through 2 weeks. They Calgary needed a big come from behind win to beat them. They may have might have undervalued Montreal a little bit. It was a short week for Calgary, but coming up this week, the Calgary Stampeders are going to take the Toronto Argonauts. They're at home. It's a Monday night. They got lots of rest. 
I think that one could be a shootout, much like the Saskatchewan-Toronto game. So I'm going to give the Stamps quarterbacks another week before I start maybe hitting the panic button and deciding to do something else. I see Bo Levi-Mitchell and Trevor Harris going shot for shot, much like Glennon Harris did on the previous weekend. On the reverse side of things, we ranked Trevor Harris and the Argos in like the bottom two. Do you have do you have like the prices right music whenever they get something wrong? <laughs> da, 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 oh my god. Oh I, we were wrong on that one. I don't even know if the Argos care if Ricky Ray comes back at all this year. Well, now the Argos are in an interesting spot. Do you possibly do you even entertain the thought? Of trading one of them. Do you, do you uh, think about it? You'd probably get more value for Harris at this point. I would think so because he's on the field. But uh, if you're the Argonauts, if you're Jim Baker, Adrian McPherson is still there. He's got CFL experience. We haven't had a real good look at him yet. But, I mean, he's got the CFL experience you like. Trevor Harris has been proven to be another Scott Milinovich project that he's done so well on including Zach Caleros I've got more on Caleros here in a little bit but to say the least I think I think if you're Toronto when Ricky Ray comes back maybe you just you throw the veteran out there you just you see what you can get I'm sure you'll get a lot more than a guy who kicked in the Alberta Football League and a first round pick for him again it's only two weeks but I I might be shopping Ricky Ray, depending on what you can get. I Well, I think Harris is what Harris is doing right now is he's much like Calaris, he's passing the eye test for people. Yeah. He looks like a CFL quarterback. When it when it came down to it, when it mattered, when the game was on the line, he came up huge against Saskatchewan, leading them to a victory. I mean, how many CFL rookie quarterbacks? And I get it. There was a questionable pass interference call on that last drive to give the Argos second life. But how many rookie quarterbacks in the CFL right now would you say can drive their team 85 yards to tie the game with under a minute left? Cato showed he might be that guy, but there's a lot of guys in the league that couldn't do that in that spot at Mosaic Stadium. Harris does not look like a rookie <laughs> well I, I mean he's been on he's been in the league for four years now but he's only had what three starts he doesn't yeah. look like that at all i believe uh i believe that might have actually only been his second start correct me if i'm wrong on that he's just kind of come in on uh on spot duty he, he you're right he might have a spot after they clinch the playoff spot but here's a here's a fun fact and again very small sample size uh, i'm gonna steal a timid sid line and throw this one at you super stat or meaningless number basically you tell me if this is evidence via the numbers of something greater going on or if it's just a fluke his touchdown to interception ratio in his career including his relief duty and spot starts is 10 and 2. Is he a good decision maker or is he just happening to get along with some good plays by his receivers? Well, I think he's the real deal. I would agree. And actually, looking at the weapons he has in Toronto, guys that have kind of come out of nowhere, Hazleton, Gurley, Elliott, and of course he's he's got Owens, he's yep. got Whitaker. Those receivers are great as well. Yep. The Argos, suddenly, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they won the East. Well, I mean, they got the Tiger Cats there. I, yeah. I think that Labor Day is going to be a lot of fun this year. Well, and we all know Ottawa's winning 12 games, so... 
I hope that happens. <laughs> so do I. Only, Although part of me, I can't make it to Grey Cup this year. Part of me uh, wishes it would happen on a different year where this wager was made that I could actually yeah. be there. <laughs> I don't, do you actually want to be there for the waxing? Um, <laughs> yeah, only because I want to see him scream. Okay. Yeah, I'm uh, okay. I can. Yeah. I can. I can. <laughs> you better record that for the podcast. Oh, absolutely. That's what it's all about. Uh, <laughs> Brandon Whitaker in Toronto. Now he's actually looked pretty good so far. Um, he didn't. Ru- he didn't get many rushing touches. I thought he should have got more against Saskatchewan. He had eight carries for 69 yards, though. But he also had six catches. I thought he was not going to do much this year. Uh, neither did I. I actually issued a public apology on my personal Twitter feed uh, to the guy who did my draft in my other league and picked Brandon Whitaker, and I absolutely eviscerated you him shamed in a group him. chat. I shamed him. So I publicly <laughs> came out and said, Darren DuPont, I'll even give his company a plug, DuPont Media, I'm sorry, you were right. Until the Now when I say this, Whitaker's getting hurt on Monday against Calgary. Just watch. And then I'll go back to my normal angry self when it comes to Brandon Whitaker. Yeah, that's the thing. If he can stay healthy, which he's he's not going to play all eighteen games. I think we all know that. But yeah. I, I'm I'm shocked at how good he has looked so far. But yeah, the Toronto weapons, Trevor Harris, and I do want to give myself a pat on the back mm-hmm. for AJ Jefferson. Yes. Who I uh, also have in my other league who got me thirty three points again. Well done, Darren DuPont. So as far as the fantasy league goes for the podcast, it was so frustrating because we had twine time. We're yeah. playing twine time uh, last week. Good old and then twine time started. <laughs> Mr. Twine time. I don't know nothing about the CFL. Look at me. I like the podcast. Watch it. Let me in your league. And then boom in the face. He goes out and beats us in the upset of the week. Thanks to and overtime. Then, well, we had him and then overtime started. Uh, I know. <laughs> I, I've, I've made plans to see Mr. Twine time in August, and I'm sure I won't be living that one down over a beer when, uh, when I see him there. So my thing is here, why do defenses play good all game and then overtime starts? Short field, I would say. Yeah. A, you've already played 60 minutes of tough, hard football, yeah. and then you... And then you're basically only playing from the 35 in offenses. You know that every OC, by that point in the game, has one or two plays up their sleeve that they go, I know this is going to work. And I think that's when you bust them out in, is in overtime, late in a game. Because how many late game comebacks do you see that a guy's wide open? Think back to Labor Day a few years ago. Kerry Joseph, the parting of the bomber C to run into the end zone. There's just certain things that an OC knows are going to work at certain times, and I think that's when they bust them out. I think that's why that in the short field is why you see such high scores in overtime. Moving over to the green and white, staying with the same game, though, I think a lot of people are surprised by uh, Jacques Chapdelaine and how much the riders are rushing the ball. Although, it was funny, because in our personal fantasy league, Mm -hmm. I was down 15. I had A.J. Jefferson, and my opponent had Anthony Allen. 
<laughs> I won the game. <laughs> Thank, thanks to a 100-yard pick six by Mr. Jefferson and Anthony Allen getting the fumbleitis at the wrong time. Uh, and then, of course, getting the old uh, Corey Chamberlain, uh, you go see. I mean, a large part of why Messam had to play was because of the ratio. But as well, Chamberlain doesn't smile f- smile on guys that fumble. Is Was Messam starting the most because of Emery's injury? Uh, part of it, yes. They had to shift to uh, Americans at linebacker, and I would even say Keenan McDougal's injury as well, because yeah. there's another Canadian that uh, that stepped in. They didn't really move a lot of things around, so putting in Messam was able to to uh, keep the ratio good. That and uh, of course they picked up the ratio spot with Paul the Legend McCallum back kicking. <laughs> yep, and he he booted I think a 49 yarder. He looked pretty good uh, kicking for the Riders again. He did look good back at a number 15 because of course Kevin Glenn has his number, and uh, I didn't know the guy was going to have that kind of leg still. I yeah. you know, All the talk around Saskatchewan was there was some talk that they might let uh, their punter, Ray Early, try to kick some long field goals, kind of like a college game day situation because Early right. has an absolutely massive leg. But see old Paul walk out there, you know, with his dirty mustache and uh, put it through the uprights at 49 yards and a nice round of applause from uh, Saskatchewan. Now I just hope he doesn't, you know, miss a convert or something or people find out. Uh, where he's living <laughs> although he's apparently living at Carm Terry's house oh really that is I I read that someplace I I forget I I should text Rod Peterson and uh, verify that but I believe he is staying with Carm Terry uh for a stay in Saskatchewan <laughs> and I, I wouldn't be putting any manure in Carm Terry's lawn he might uh, come out and uh, go Angelo Moscow on you <laughs> and Anthony Allen now you are right he did have the the fumble but before that he still wasn't getting many carries, and he seemed like he was in there for pass protection for the most part. Well, and it was so hard to tell in Rough Rider training camp, even seeing it firsthand. It was it was very difficult to see, okay, which one of these guys is going to be the starting quarterback, or starting running back, pardon me, but they were both so neck and neck, and, I, and as much as Chamberlain says, well, it doesn't come down to a passport, it doesn't come down to a passport, I think it did a little bit with Messam. Messam has proven early on that he might have the he might be a little bit more reliable than uh, Allen and uh, he seems to be excelling in the uh, in the Chapeldane offense so Anthony Allen I know he's a guy that went really really high on some draft boards yep. I said to stay we both said to stay away from him only because the offense he was walking into but uh, if you can get some value out of him right now I'd be making a move on Anthony Allen it looks like Messam's gonna be the guy one thing I uh, will say about the Riders, I've actually been pleasantly surprised by Jamel Richardson. He's mm-hmm. He's been running smart routes and actually making some pretty tough catches. And Kevin Glenn, wasn't that classic Kevin Glenn driving about 85 yards from the shadow of your goalpost and throwing a pick six? <laughs> well, there's. let's face it. There are two Kevin Glens. There's no real Kevin Glenn in the middle. Uh, there's good Kevin and bad Kevin. Uh, that was bad, Kevin, for a minute. Uh, I heard an interesting debate. Uh, I, I mean, of course, in Saskatchewan, you're always going to hear the absolute dummies that keep going, well, you know, that uh, we would have lost by 102 if Durant was in there. Durant is one of the best quarterbacks in the league when healthy. <laughs> Shut your face holes right now. I can't get over the Durant hate even after winning the Grey Cup. I just, I, I, I just, it, it makes me throw up in my mouth just 
a little bit. But uh, all that being said, Kevin Glenn, he did what he was asked to do. 477 yards passing. What else? In a losing cause. Yeah, you never see a guy lose. Like, it was utter insanity. Like, how... How do you lose there? Saskatchewan put up so much offense. Uh, we've all been saying it. The defense was going to be a question mark this year for the Riders, and uh, it's looking like that's the case because this is the championship caliber offense. I'm uh, not so sure about the defense right now, Trav. Yeah, they got so many. I'd say they have so many playmakers and so many veterans on the defense, but they're just not getting it done right now. I will say but, about that but you game. Look, but you look through some of that, like if you look actually at the roster right now, Trav, and you look defensively, obviously Brackenridge is there. The defensive linemen that everybody talk about are, are there. But past that, you'd be hard-pressed to, to find a casual fan that can name anybody else really on that Ryder D. Yeah, I mean, Dur- Terrell Mays is always good. Um, but they had or the rookie in there. They had Hollins in there. I, Weldon Brown, I, I think, is always a solid player. But the linebackers, who actually look like they got a couple playmakers there, and Jeff Knox, and I think it's Jake Doughty who made a, an amazing interception. That was bananas, that the one-handed I- I- interception. Yeah. But, again, Doughty and Knox and, and, and guys like Hollins, they're all up and coming. They're still trying yeah. to, to learn the game. And I think mistakes were made, and that's partially what led to the long comeback uh, for Toronto. I think they have the talent there to figure it out, but I think early on, uh, until they really get used to the defense, they're going to have to win. A, they're going to have to be on the forty-two side of a forty-two forty loss. Yeah, I will say that uh, if those defensive players are going to be on the field all the time, yeah, hey, they make great fantasy options because they're going to be racking up those tackle numbers. Yes, yes, they will be, and uh, some good tackle numbers uh, for Saskatchewan, but I don't think they're going to spend a lot of time on the field with these Saskatchewan guys because the offense is so good, Trav, that uh, the offense spends a lot of time out there. I mean, even just if you go to the defensive stats and just just take a look through everybody who registered a tackle, just from looking at that, you can tell the Ryder D wasn't out there for particularly long. It seemed like... Uh, Toronto was able to strike quickly and get off the field. Yeah, and I did say that Whitaker didn't get as many touches as you would like to see, but part of that was, yeah, uh, Saskatchewan stayed on the field. Maybe they struggled finishing drives, but they basically took away the run game and they forced Toronto to beat them with those big plays, and, of course, a pick six (laughs) helps that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's move on to the Ottawa BC game. I don't know about you, but I had Ottawa picked in pickup. Uh, I believe I did too, because I'm picking Ottawa until they lose or until they get to 12 wins. Uh, I, yeah. I think if we listen back, I'm having a hard time recalling last week's podcast. I don't remember every detail of everything we record, mostly because I just kind of ramble and go on and on. <laughs> but I do remember with Croker filling in, I remember picking the all caps because I'm going to continue doing that until uh, Tyrell has to pay up on his wager. <laughs> and Henry actually looked okay. 23-29, three touchdowns. That big old smiling Hank Grin uh, was back. I think encouraging for BC Lions fans, though, uh, Travis Lule's arm didn't actually explode. Yeah, he, he looks healthy. The running game, I mean, not the best yards per carry because Andrew Harris had 48 yards on 13 carries. Yeah. So, that uh, you got to wonder why the heck didn't they draft any offensive linemen in the draft? Just but again, didn't... BC's play calling to me this is what mystified me the most about that game. 
it looked like if you ever give Madden to somebody who doesn't like the first time somebody plays Madden on the PlayStation, who's not a big football fan, they're going deep every single time. And that's exactly what it looked like that they were trying to do. Like, I don't know if they were using that as a warm up for Travis Lule, but it just seemed like they were trying to force everything deep to Manny Arsenault and Austin Collie. By the way, Austin Collie, he looked good in his BC debut. I've been saying for a while. Two receivers, I said, were dark horses. Both had pretty good games here. See, I should just shut up because I'm getting a lot of things right this week, and I'm going to get a lot wrong now, I'm sure. But yeah, uh, Brad- Sinopoli had a career game. And I've been high on that guy since year uh, since uh, podcast one. Nine grabs, 99 yards, and a touchdown. Austin Colley as well. So there's two guys that if they're still out there uh, in your league for whatever reason and you're looking for a Canadian starting spot at receiver, go get them. And staying with the... BC Lions, not really fantasy route. Well, actually, really not at all. Uh, did you see Emmanuel Arsenal's Twitter war with Dante Marsh? No, I did not, actually. Can you give oh us the too long didn't read version? God, let me load this up. So it looked like Marsh was tweeting with Javon Johnson. Yeah. And Manny Arsenal bumped in there and he ended up saying something like, Corey Banks made your entire career when he left. It was you were just another thirty and up defensive back on HGH. <laughs> like, Shots this was, fired. It was not just a fun little trash talk. They were getting into it. Wow, that is uh, yeah. Normally you see these guys get into it, and it's uh, very usually Canadian. But oh no, do to boot it. You're not so good. Yeah, sorry, eh. Uh, that's fun because you're not good either. Hey, let's go grab a case of Molson and some maple donuts, and then we'll let's settle our differences with a talk. Sounds good there. No, do the boot it. Why don't we sit on the roof while we do it? Oh, down by the creek. We can watch the coyotes down by the creek while we eat our maple donuts and drink our Molson. No, do the boot it, partner. Hey, sorry about the beak on the Twitter. Yeah, no, do the boot it. I'm sorry too for being sorry. <laughs> Basically, because I don't know if you saw Nick Lewis was uh, chirping his old Stampeder teammates, uh, but that was all in good fun, and you could totally tell. And this is actually what I really like about the CFL, because in the National Football League, it's like they got people tweeting for them, you know? You You mean the No Fun League? Yeah, and they got filters and everything, but the CFL... They let it fly, and that's what I love. And I don't know if you got to see the CFL Around the Table episode with the players. I still haven't. It's on my PVR. Ricky Foley ends up talking about sometimes if he needs to get fired up for a game, he'll send out a tweet, or he'll go on Twitter hoping somebody is trash-talking him. So if you are an Argos fan and you want to fire up Ricky Foley, get on the Twitter and fire some insults his way, and he will love it. I would never, ever, ever. A, he's too, he's too good of a guy. Did, by the way, hat tip uh, to uh, Ricky Foley. Hung around Mosaic after the game that was uh, cool. on Sunday. Hung out, uh, did autographs, pictures with fans. I mean, I know he didn't want to leave Saskatchewan. I know he's happy in Toronto now, but uh, yeah, basically. And he just, he literally just threw it on Twitter and said, hey, everybody, I'm going to be standing by the Ryder store. Uh, come say hi after the game. And to your point, I know you went off on a, on a tangent there about <laughs> Canadian Football League players being super nice. Uh, he no had about said, <laughs> Foley had said that the biggest thing, biggest difference between the CFL and NFL is how the players are off the field 
Interesting. In Canada. Yeah. Off the field down south, they're always on. They're always tough. They're always, yeah. you know, up this. And Darian Duran actually admitted, he's like, us Americans come up. We think we know it all. Yeah. We think that we always have to be, you know, all macho and all this. And Foley's like, no, that's not how it works in Canada. So it was really interesting. you got to watch that on the PVR, man. I know. It's Big Brother season. Oh, come on. That's even more offside. <laughs> okay, well, that and it's the return of Tim and Sid on TV. I got mad love for those two guys. Uh, tons and who of am I kidding? I'm watching uh, America's Got Talent season 10. So That's even worse than Big Brother. <laughs> <laughs> Tweet the podcast. Which one is worse, Big Brother or America's Got Talent? I'd say America's Got Talent is worse. I say, I say Big Brother is worse. No, so... not in a million years. Come on. No, not in a million years. You get to watch people, like, backstab each other and get all conniving and stuff. And, like, everybody, like, male and female, is usually at least a solid 8 out of 10. Well, in the AGT, you get inspired. You get inspired to do what? At how much you suck at doing things? <laughs> well, this is coming from a guy that saw Pitch Perfect 2 in theaters last week, so. Whoa, whoa! <laughs> I keep so, digging myself a hole. Why am I doing it? That is only okay because Anna Kendrick is like a babe. Okay, cool. <laughs> we'll, we'll let you away with that one. If now, now, all, now, repeat after me, Trev. I went because I have a crush on Anna Kendrick. Go. I went because I have a crush on Anna Kendrick and popcorn. And yes, yes, popcorn. <laughs> The fat guys. Of course, of course we go to the movies of popcorn. That's without saying. We're overweight Canadian podcasters. <laughs> Let's get to the Montreal and Calgary game. Did you, be honest, I know I'm honest, I locked in uh, Calgary for this game being super confident after that, too. Uh, yep, so did I. I figured that Calgary was going to crush uh, <laughs> Rakeem Cato, and uh, even though he's Croker's boy, and Croker uh, proclaimed him to be the starting quarterback uh, through his psychic powers, uh, I I figured, oh yeah, Calgary, they're going to walk all over this one, We're defending Grey Cup champs, but I mean, we've touched on it uh, a couple times throughout the year. Uh, Calgary's, uh, Montreal, pardon me, their defense, sneaky good, physical, they can handle Calgary, Tyrell Sutton, sneaky good, and, sorry, as a tribute to Croker last week, Rakim Kato! <laughs> I actually feel really good about the Tyrell Sutton recommendation, because, man, he is showing, and he, his performance last game kind of got overshadowed by uh, Cato because he had 25 touches for 134 yards. He has been a, a beast so far this season. I don't know where he would be available, but I feel really good taking him early on in drafts because he is getting all the touches in Montreal. Yeah, that's why they cut Brandon Whitaker. I mean, Whitaker yeah. has proven in Toronto he still has the chops, but they like Tyrell Sutton that much more, and it's uh, it's a move that so far is paying off for the uh, for the Alouettes, and they're going to have to have a solid run game. I think that's going to make uh, Cato or whomever's starting their their life a lot easier, only because rookie quarterbacks, if they have the threat of the run, generally are going to perform better. I think the loss of uh, Stanley Bryant and Brett Jones is affecting Calgary. As well, uh, Cornish, I mean, he had 12 carries for 59 yards. He had the touchdown, but Bo was 19 of 31, which on paper, like, really isn't that bad. I guess people 
And I think because he was rated number one in the mm. 50 top players, that they're expecting incredible numbers from him. Well, and the only person you should really be expecting incredible numbers uh, on is Zach Caleros with all the 300-yard games, which, again, yeah. I, I have a Caleros-based rant here when we get to that game. But uh, for now, yeah, Bo Levi Mitchell, uh, the numbers don't look bad. I mean, they don't look great, but when you're not getting a lot of, like, combined yardage, 244 passing for Mitchell, you're leading rusher with 59 yards with John Cornish, you're just not, that's just not enough to get it done in the CFL, let's face it, unless it's a defensive battle where the wind is so strong that it blows a field goal kick actually backwards. Um, <laughs> but in good weather in Montreal, it's not going to get it done, especially against a sneaky good Owls team. Again, I still, I'm still feeling, Trav, I'm still feeling this is, you're going to win the division at 10-8 and eight this year. Yeah, in the East, I, I've been surprised with Nick Lewis so far. Now, I don't know if because he had a little extra fire because he was playing his old team. It, it's kind of weird to watch him in Montreal colors, but yeah. he, he had a touchdown, three catches for 65 yards. The uh, one that surprises me with him was the fact that he had a 36-yard long. Lewis has never <laughs> yeah. really been remembered. Like, he's always kind of been a possession guy, but uh, 36 yards on on a long play, a little surprising. Uh, Marquay McDaniel, another uh, pick that I lambasted uh, Darren for, uh, led the Stamps with uh, receiving uh, for six catches, 113. Yeah, he looks like a sure thing in uh, Calgary right now, as long as he can stay healthy. Jeff Fuller, and i, I got to reiterate this, Twitter is your friend when it comes to um, figuring out who you got to start in fantasy. And a lot of times it's last minute things because those depth charts that come out, it showed Fuller was playing. So a lot of people, hey, I can leave him in. Yep. Well, he didn't play. But remember, too, with, with, with team depth charts. And this I can tell you as a media guy. Those are 46-man rosters for different reasons. Sometimes they don't want to put a guy on the one-game injured list or don't have the ability to do so that late. Even look back to when Weston put it this way. The Riders 2 depth charts, week one, when we all knew Weston Dressler was going to miss, he was on the 46-man roster. Why? He was, yeah. It's because he collects a game check. Last week, again, the Riders weren't quite ready to release Chris Milo just yet. He was on the 46-man roster, wasn't on the 44-man game day. He was on the 46, got his game check, and, of course, was released shortly after. So never trust the depth charts. Follow your beat reporters. Follow TSN, and uh, they'll say if a guy's uh, in or out. Uh, A lot of times with us, usually we record this podcast early in the week, often on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, so we won't usually touch on the depth charts uh, too closely. But a word of advice, make sure you're following along. Uh, Usually the local... Find the local play-by-play man. Find the competition in that market. Because sometimes it's the competition who doesn't have to worry about calling the game who sometimes has the better inside sources. Yeah, exactly. So we try our our best to keep you updated with our Twitter account as well. So at 2andOutCFL, make sure you give us a follow. Let's get to the Hamilton and Winnipeg game. Um, (laughs) I don't think Hamilton or Kent Austin wants to rush the ball at all. No, uh, well, and he has nobody there that can really do it. Uh, on yeah. to- on top of that, I'm going to summarize this game uh, with with one. Uh, I was recording it. I had some commitments on uh, on that Thursday night, and a buddy of mine said, "Hey, uh, I'll start recording. Why don't you come by uh, when you're done work?" I said, "Okay, yeah, I'll do that." Oh, and no. 
my cousin, who's a season ticket holder, knew I was recording the game, and I always ask him, hey, don't don't spoil nothing for me. I know you're at the game. Don't spoil it for me. Uh, just make her relax here. And all I got from him was a text that's like, have you started watching yet? I said, no. He goes, don't. don't. <laughs> so I did. I did. I still watched every minute of that, uh, of that issue. And uh, by the way, I got to absolutely shred somebody here. I saw that. Th- can we have an award for the dumbest tweet of the week? Can yes, we, come- we can. We should now. Uh, that that should be a new segment. All right, the new segment, dumbest tweet of the week. <laughs> I follow from Podski Wee Wee Josh Smith. I follow him on Twitter. The Two and Out CFL podcast follows him on qu- Twitter. Um, Marty York, who hasn't oh, been no. on TV in a while, went out and said Zach Caleros is an average quarterback. What he said. He is an average quarterback. Let me, uh, he just, he, ah, uh, he, he said, I just, I can't believe this. There are some people on Twitter that think they know the CFL. Shut up. You don't. Do, do you I don't. have to get blocked by another guy on Twitter? I'm going to go ahead and get myself blocked by him right now. I mean, just go Marty, if you're listening at John CJWW. Block me because I don't want to hear you say anything stupid <laughs> like that Zach Caleros is an average quarterback again. The guy led the league in 300-yard passing games last season. He says, oh, he's their quarterback is average and inconsistent. One game good, what? one game bad. Uh, what? And he also trashed Kevin Glenn. Kevin Glenn threw for 477 yards. Caleros a 74% completion rate. He figures the rookie quarterback in Edmonton is going to be better because uh, last time I checked, Matt Nichols was still starting. Oh my god. If you don't and, and, know the CFL, shut up. Don't try Kevin to act Glenn, like an expert. Kevin Glenn quietly passes Matt Dunnigan for all-time passing yards. Right. Like, everybody looks at Glenn and they're like, "Ah, he's kind of underwhelming, but man, this guy has had an amazing CFL career." Another guy I got blocked by on Twitter <laughs> is uh <laughs> I still I don't know if anybody's blocked me yet, but uh, I'm pretty sure if we hear that uh, if uh, Marty York hears that podcast um, or even sees that uh, I favorited every one of Josh's replies, uh, I'm pretty sure I'll be right there. Uh, which is funny for and again I don't normally like to trash on guys that are in the media because I get how how hard this job can be. I yep, do yep, it, yep. but but man, like just like I get it. Maybe he was trying to stir the pot. If that's what you're trying to do, Marty, good for you. You accomplish that. Um, go back to not being on TV. So now what I want to do is create the Dumb Tweet Hall of Fame because I remember when I got blocked by Damian Cox. and I like Damian. By the way, I like Damian. Okay. You like him if you want, but he (laughs) tweeted this. He tweeted that the Edmonton Eskimos should move and play where the Golden Bears play. If they could get a renovated stadium, I'm not going to disagree with him. Dude, they have 7,000 seats. They consistently bring in 35 in Commonwealth Stadium. Why? Oh, no, I'm saying I'm saying that with the caveat uh, uh, the caveat of if they could ever play at the same venue and expand that stadium. Listen, I've been to a ton of games at Commonwealth. If you sit lower bowl, it's fine, but it's just the appearance of emptiness kind of makes it a bit of a lightning rod you're kind of far from the field with the track there i understand why the track is there and i'm not one to sit here and say get rid of the track tear it up but you know it's it's not a spectacular venue for football there's many other better ones than league i'm not saying they should go 
play at the 7,000 seater that that the U of A plays at. I'm thinking that maybe once the Edmonton Oilers are done with their big fancy new building, maybe that's something they start taking a look at in Edmonton. I mean, in Edmonton, you could build something with 30,000 seats. It would sell out every single night because the fans there are great. They're passionate. But there is some – you lose something in a game at Commonwealth. I do think we're a long ways away from seeing a new stadium in Edmonton. Oh, uh, Calgary is probably going to have one in – I would say the next six to ten years, I, I hope they get one. <laughs> yeah, well, they're tr- they're trying they're trying to get one as part of uh, they they want yeah. a new ho- they want a new hockey ring too, and they're trying to tie the two together, which uh, again didn't happen in Edmonton. But yeah, I'm not gonna again I, I, as it stands now. No, you can't put the Edmonton Eskimos at uh, uh, at uh, at that stadium where the U of A's at, but. They should be looking at something. I think honestly, something with thirty, like something about even new mosaic sized, thirty three thousand seats, expandable to forty for a Grey Cup, would be perfect in Edmonton because they would sell it out every single night, and then you wouldn't have anybody looking and going because because again, you and I have been, I've been to all but three CFL venues. Mm-hmm. Atmosphere wise, I hate to say it, Edmonton is in last place for me. Uh, I would say Toronto is in last place for me. Well, the, well, I, um, of course I've, they're moving to BMO, so that true. That's no, you're you're right. Pardon me. I I I'll, the only time I saw a game in Toronto was for a Grey Cup. Uh, so obviously things are a little skewed. But from everybody I've spoken to, I would say it's the difference. The only difference between the cavernous building that is Rogers Center and Commonwealth is that the fans are really really good in Edmonton. They are. They are. They are. I, a and lot I'm not. And I'm not. I'm not. And I'm not suggesting by any means that 50,000 people should show up for the games. That's, that's unfeasible. But Edmonton consistently draws 30 in a 50-some thousand seat stadium. It looks it looks worse than it is, and it, it becomes a lightning rod. And just there's just some things. Like, you go to Commonwealth. I've enjoyed every experience at Commonwealth. Been there a ton of times. I've probably been at Commonwealth more than any other CFL stadium. But compared have, to even, yeah. even going down the road to Calgary, it's night and day. And even well, BC, BC Place is huge, but BC Place, you and I were there for the Vanier Cup when they shut down the upper deck, and BC Place is unique in the way that it doesn't seem like it's so cavernous while you're in there. And it gets loud. BC Place oh, it gets really, really does loud. get loud. Now, I've only been there, like you said, the Vanier Cup and two Grey Cups, but yeah. in Edmonton, I, I can't see them ever... And there's positives and negatives when it comes to watching a game versus Calgary and Edmonton. I mean, Calgary has the better sight lines. Commonwealth, way better uh, concourse, way better access to the stadium. And I do still maintain that they've got possibilities or they have potential to sell that stadium out, which they actually did in September. It was either 2009 or uh, 2010 when the Riders made the Grey Cup. Yep. They came to town, and that was when the billboard warfare was happening. Yep. Yeah, and I remember that. They, they sold it out, fit like 53,000 people in September. Yeah. I think if the Eskimos have more good years, they're going to be pulling in 40,000 people. And I, I, I just can't see them moving to a smaller stadium. I think Commonwealth is where they're staying, and they put all that money in there to get the new seats, get the new, you know, uh, in yeah. the end zones. They got the new stuff there. But uh, I actually, I don't know. I, 
I don't think they're going to be moving anytime soon. No, they, they, it's, they we're not. That's not a move that is urgent. It's not like the the Argonaut situation with BMO. Yeah, I just, I, and I'm only speaking as a guy who's been to a lot of CFL venues uh, that I prefer over over Commonwealth. But you're right. When that place is sold out, it's magical. And there's, it's just, yeah. it's so hard to, it's just, it's so hard to sell out. How, I mean, how do you sell out fifty two thousand people on a Thursday night? Yeah, and we were talking off the podcast beforehand that because I know, and we'll get to it in the in the pick'em. But Calgary's got a Monday night game against Toronto, and it looks like they were trying to avoid having a game during the Stampede. Yeah, my thing is why. And again, I go to a couple years back, Saskatchewan played, and of course, I know they're a big draw in both the Alberta stadiums. They played in July during the fair in Edmonton. There were 47,000 people there. Well, I I think the fair and Stampede are two totally separate things, only in the case that Stampede is so busy. And there's not a lot of ways to get to the X-Grounds in Calgary. Let's face it. Right. You know, so already you're basically at capacity, at your X-Grounds, at your parking lots, at everything – before you even kick off the game. So, to me, the move to Monday, I don't hate it. They're getting out of the way of Stampede. Everybody's going to be out of there. You'll be able to accommodate your fans a little bit better with parking, with transportation. There won't be long lineups to get into the game. Uh, I don't mind the move for that reason. Uh, And correct me if I'm wrong, Travis, you have a lot more experience in Edmonton than I do. I do. But Commonwealth, is it anywhere near where they hold uh, the X? It is uh, basically one LRT stop away. Yeah, it is but I... too far. But it's not Calgary's. Like it's it's way it's further. I mean, yeah, it's not. I mean, I think you can get on the train, but it's not as close as it is in Edmonton. Okay, yeah, but yeah, I. I see the pros and cons. I see you already have a city that's jammed. You already have people there for Stampede, hotel rooms, things like that. Logistics just indicate that, hey, let's let's stay away at Stampede. And I'm sure they have lots of historical data for why they're doing it. Yeah, I guess for me, I'm not a marketing guy. I don't know anything to do with the data. I'm like, why don't, why don't the Stampeders? I mean, they're called the Stampeders. It's the Stampede. <laughs> why don't you sell tickets? And if you buy tickets to the game, you get entry into the Stampede later on, jump on the train, and go to the Stampede. Uh, to me, well, it just big, seems a big, like a, a big, marketing dream. Well, a big part of it, though, is then you got to get two organizations to play nice together, yeah. right? That's that. Therein lies the problem. Yeah, and somewhere in here, we are talking about the Tiger Cats and the Blue Bombers. Um, <laughs> I just don't want to talk about this game. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I you, mean, you, uh, break, you break it down. Zach Caleros is awesome. Uh, Banks ran another one back. Uh, Winnipeg looked like crap. Uh, there's my thoughts. Uh, the rest is on you. I'm going to go get a sandwich. Okay, I am very happy with uh, Tequan Underwood so far for the Tiger Cats, but th- that is a team... That spreads the ball around. You got Sinkfield, Grant, Fantuz, Underwood, Tolliver, Banks. And it looks like they do want Banks just returning punts. He only had two catches when it came uh, to being on the offensive side of the ball. But Caleros looks unbelievable. If he is healthy, that is now the, the top team in the league. When it comes to quarterbacks on the Winnipeg side of the ball, 
Clarence Denmark did nothing last game. So Nick Moore is the guy. He may be taking some uh, looks and targets away from Clarence Denmark, although uh, Denmark may have been banged up a little bit. I know I have him on two or three fantasy teams. One point. That was a, a rough one. Paris Cotton, nine carries, 46 yards, and a touchdown. So the touchdown salvages that game. He's up against a stingy Montreal defense this time around. Bear Woods might not be playing, though. So that might make Winnipeg's rushing game look a little better without Bear Woods. John, you're back? I'm back. Got my sandwich. Clarence Denmark, uh, very frustrating to own. He had one point against Hamilton is Nick Moore taking looks away or was uh, Denmark a little banged up in that game uh Brom tried to force it into Denmark well honestly Hamilton did a really 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 good job of uh taking away his time and space from what I watched the whole game on the PVR um I think uh, Nick Moore is becoming the guy more so when Drew Willey is there, but Brom kind of got locked in on Denmark and was trying to force it up to him. Uh, Hamilton saw it coming, and, and and the thing is, too, Brom, the way he was throwing, he was throwing it off his back foot a lot. He was under so much pressure, yeah. and he just kept trying to force it up to Denmark. So the defense had lots of time uh, to react, but uh, to me, a healthy Nick Moore is a better pick uh, than Clarence Denmark, but that's not saying Denmark's going to be bad. With Drew Willey back in the lineup, both are viable fantasy options. Options. I don't know if uh, Emmanuel Davis is available in your team, but some of those uh, Hamilton defensive backs sure picking up the slack for the uh, departing Delvin Bro, and they are putting up some nice points. And again, it's nice to own Craig Butler. Yes, and I miss him in Saskatchewan, but he is a playmaker, and as a Canadian too, he puts up points on the defensive side of the ball, and he's handsome. Yes, he is very handsome, but he's kind of, kind of like in an intimidating way. Like, like, he, like he, he's kind of dreamy, but I do feel like he would beat me up at the same time. It's, it's a very <laughs> deadly combination. Oh, uh, let's let's get to the picks before this goes any more off the rails. It's everyone's favorite game show. Are you smarter than two overweight Canadian podcasters? Pick the weekly winners in the CFL on Facebook or Twitter at 2 and Out CFL. Okay, Ottawa and Edmonton. This is the game I am having the most difficult time with. Go, Alcabs! Let's get the counter down to single digits. <laughs> I'm definitely cheering for them, but Edmonton is going to be playing with a chip on their shoulders. Still, it looks like John Goat's going to be playing in the game. Simon Mm -hmm. Rodier is not going to be playing, it looks like. So offensive line, still a little bit banged up, and of course, no Mike Riley. A banged up offensive line, plus Matt Nichols, who I don't think is that. uh, He's a significant drop from Mike Riley. He's definitely a good CFLer. I think he's a big time drop from Mike Riley. But to me, uh, you go with the all caps in this one. Their their confidence is high. They've looked good in their first couple games. And I want to get the win counter down to nine. Uh, I'm taking Ottawa for the upset in this one. Uh, Again, Edmonton will be at home. So they've always got that advantage. Uh, But it's all going to come down to Matt Nichols. If he plays like he has in the past, Ottawa. Ottawa's got this one, uh, 
But if he can play well and at least kind of, but with that banged up offensive line, that, that again is going to be hard to do. Uh, I, I'm taking Ottawa on this one. I think uh, their defensive line has looked really good. Zach Evans and uh, Keith Shuligan, a couple former riders there, uh, having big games against BC, getting lots of pressure there, and against a guy like Matt Nichols. Uh, I'm going to take the all caps. Henry Burris, very familiar, obviously, with playing in Commonwealth Stadium. I feel like I could flip a coin on this game. I think it's going to be a very close one. Uh, it'll man. end with it'll end with the punt out of the end zone. Hey, if it's if it ends in a ruse, that would be worth my <laughs> ticket price. I would love that. So, who's got the better punter? I'm going Edmonton. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Edmonton it is. I got Ottawa, you got Edmonton. Next one. Friday night football. A Friday night, a double header on Friday night football. Yeah. So uh, settle in on the couch, grab a poutine, and uh, enjoy thoroughly. First game, the Montreal Alouettes led by Rakeem Kato. <laughs> Up against I... the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and uh, Drew Concussion. It is a hard stadium to play in in Winnipeg, but, man, I'm sorry. I'm going Montreal. I am a Blue Bomber fan, and we've made that abundantly clear. Uh, I am also going to Montreal. It's going to be a lot closer than 52-26, and if not, I will probably drink heavily and maybe <laughs> even throw on a rider. If they give up if they give up 52 again, I'll record the next podcast wearing a rider jersey and sing the Green is the Football song off the top. Deal, deal, deal. <laughs> Second but, part of the doubleheader, Riders but, 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 are but, but, in but, BC. But that being said, if Winnipeg beats Montreal by 30, you have to sing These Eyes by the Guess Who off the top. I love that song, so you have a deal. Ah, air handshake. <laughs> handshake. Second part of the doubleheader, Riders in Vancouver to take on the Lions. I... Oh, man. <laughs> I really hate picking my team because I feel like I'm being biased, but I don't think the Riders go 0-3. Uh, the Riders have traditionally never really done great in BC. Uh, I, but then again, BC was very unimpressive in their opening game of the year against Ottawa. They are going to have home field advantage. I expect BC Place to be bumping. The Riders have lost their first two games by a combined Six points. I'm with you. I think Saskatchewan is going to win their first of the year. Kevin Glenn will go bananas, B-A-N-A-N-A-S, again in this game. Yeah, shout out to the BC fans as well, because they're doing something new this year. I think the Whitecaps do it, where they close the upper deck, and mm -hmm. they actually uh, tape those off. But the way they do it, it actually looks really cool. So I guess there was less than a 1,000 tickets left mm -hmm. for the game against the Riders, and I know there will be a few Rider fans in the stands. Summer holidays in Vancouver doesn't get much better than that, but I expect BC Place to be pretty loud. I've been in that stadium, and she gets, she gets noisy. So looking forward to that Friday night game. And then... Monday Night Football. Da, 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 Come on, da. man. <laughs> da, 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 da. No, we should uh, we should make this pick as American as possible. Oh, come on, man. Come on, man. I'm going to go shoot a gun in the air, and because I shoot the gun in the air, I'm going to go ahead and take those Cowboys, the Calgary Stampeders. Going to win it by three points. Somebody give me something deep fried. <laughs> All right, I've had a Canadian and American. So our American listeners, don't hate. I went off even longer on my own country earlier in the podcast. 
We're just having some fun, okay? Look, you're making fun of the Russians there, too. (laughs) Ah, why not? Uh, Maybe Mother Russia. We come back to Toronto. (laughs) Hey, we are very multicultural here. Uh, Calgary hosting the Argonauts, a rematch of the 100th Grey Cup. Um, Who are you going with here? This, to me, is an interesting one, too. Um... Uh, it's tough. I uh, Based solely on home field advantage, I'm going to take Calgary because I think their defense is a little bit better than Saskatchewan. John Huffnagel now has two weeks of tape on Trevor Harris. I think he's going to figure out a way to limit his effectiveness. Uh, Drury, although didn't have much of an impact in the Saskatchewan game, is out. I know they're going to use Whitaker and Coombs kind of in his spot. Two guys I've been uh, been high on uh, until Whitaker gets hurt, and then I uh, then I yell and swear a lot. Uh, I'm I'm going to go Calgary, but I think this one's going to be a lot tighter than uh, than I think we would have thought it was about three weeks ago. Yeah, I want to go Calgary here, but I have really sucked at Pickham so far. <laughs> I feel like I have to go opposite of what my gut is saying, so I am going Argos. Argos. All right, so I've got Ottawa, Montreal, Saskatchewan, and Calgary. I'm only picking one home team. Uh, that's a bold move, Cotton. We'll see if it pays off. Edmonton, Montreal, Saskatchewan. Oh, I'm only picking one home team, too. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully between us, we can get at least three games right. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Well, well, we're guaranteed in two of them because we're disagreeing on two of them. So uh, maybe we can get three right. Maybe we should recruit Croker so we can get all four games right. The almighty Croker. Yeah, we got to call him up for next week because he'd probably crush us at this game. Probably. <laughs> that does it. Episode 7, the Two and Out CFL podcast with Fraser and Kura. Follow on Twitter, like on Facebook, Two and Out CFL, and leave those ratings and subscribe on iTunes. We'll talk to you next week.